refreshing time, taking time to pray. I trust God that indeed our life will be transformed in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for your love and your guidance. Thank you for your glory and your word. Thank you for your anointing. Glory be to you. You are the mightiest, the flawless, the righteous king. You are the one who give mercy instead of activities. We trust you, you who had opened the seal of the word already. You shall reveal it to us tonight. And we believe in you that you shall do great things. Thank you, Abba, Father. Glory be to your name, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to welcome us once again to our teaching this evening. And I trust God that indeed we'll be blessed in the name of Jesus. We had our third part of our teaching on triumphant Christian life last week. About three weeks ago, we started that teaching. So every Friday, about three weeks ago. But today we go to the last part. And today also happens to be the last day in our quarterly World Feast workshop for this quarter. Are you excited that indeed God has been faithful to us from teaching from uh, winning home to the place of the thumbs on fire, the relevance of the Holy Ghost and speaking in thumbs. Now to exercising our strength as Christians, as victorious Christians. What an awesome God, what an awesome God. And we trust God that indeed even today will be blessed in the name of Jesus. Just before we go ahead, our teaching today will be uh, as much as possible, we'll take time to be short, so that at the end of the day, we take time that Holy Spirit will minister to us in prayer. And I pray that indeed, God will minister to every one of us, and every need shall be met by the anointing of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Last week, we spoke about some of those things that have come to limit us as Christians to come to the fullness of the image of Christ. He spoke about the place of selfishness. He spoke about the place of uh, depression. We touched a little on selfishness, but we dwelled more on depression, on fear, and hunger. But our focus last week, most of the majorly was on the place of fear. And we trusted God that indeed God has delivered us already in the name of Jesus. But today we go ahead with our teaching and we try as much as well to go deeper in that teaching. And I trust God that God himself will help us in the name of Jesus. Today's teaching has been captioned, captioned sorry, self-healing. Self-healing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things. How many things? All things. Through Christ which strengthen me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthen me, which establish the fact that my strength and my ability to do things is not by my own capability, but rather by the reason of the strength which is given to me through Christ. My ability to do all things is not because I'm capable or because I've heard some teachings. No, it's because Christ 
has strengthened me. And I trust God that tonight, indeed, he shall reveal himself to God who is strong and able to strengthen us in the name of Jesus. Whether we like it or whether fear, whether depression, whether anger, whatever form of the kind of trait which we have spoken about last week, it is very important that we notice that it can all be traced to I, an individual person. And when it comes to an individual person, the underlining effect is usually selfishness. Praise the Lord. The underlining factor is usually selfishness. What are we talking about? We are saying that many things in life or many bad experiences that people have in life is usually traced to someone being selfish. It's usually traced to someone who have not taken another brother, another sister, another auntie into consideration. Someone who has looked beyond and said, oh, whatever you are facing does not consign me. Selfishness. And that's why the spirit of I, we are trusting God that indeed as Christians, the spirit of I, me, 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 self alone, will be destroyed tonight in the name of Jesus. What are we saying? But when we talk about this selfishness or this I spirit or this self-identity spirit, what are some of the underlying factors that have led to people's character or those configuration coming to that experience? Definitely, every character that you see in a person did not start today. It's a reflection of one factor or the other that has now transformed over time to reveal or to take them to that experience. Quickly, there are about three to four factors here that has led to selfishness or that has led to the trait of the person just focused on him or several. Number one, childhood training. Don't forget we spoke about the place of fear also last week where we identified that childhood training can be very critical in how much a person receives the spirit of boldness, how much the person is less, less afraid of a particular thing. Here we are today again, and we are being told that childhood training is very critical in someone not being selfish. Or on the other side, the place of the person being not having the spirit of love in him, in him or her. Sometimes the person can have the spirit of Lord, but youthful experiences, someone that has been altered before, someone that has been attacked before, might not feel the reason to be friendly to another person. Someone that was altered before might feel that, okay, now about my business to only be high, I will not help anybody again. Maybe someone was cheated before. And I said, oh, the last person that I helped cheated me. I'm not interested in helping someone again. The youthful, the experiences of such person. Or even the place of training. Education training can go a long way. Don't be surprised. There are some fathers and some mothers that have trained their wards or their children to be self-sufficient on themselves alone. They will say, okay, the world belongs to you alone. You should face your world alone. You should occupy the world alone. Don't be concerned about your friend. I didn't send you to school to become friends with this, with this guy or with that. I want you to be the best only you alone. Don't teach anybody the place of self. Then that is why you will find out that most of all the problems that we face in this world can be traced to selfishness. Most of all the things that we are facing, the 99% of almost all the problems in the world, in fact, 99% of the problem in a matrimonial home, for instance, can be traced to selfishness. How do I know this? The book of Genesis chapter 3, the case of Adam and Eve, 
they were so selfish that they were concerned about eating that particular fruit that Jesus said, don't touch. The only fruits, they were concerned about them eating it. They were concerned about having their own experience. They were not concerned about how God would feel. The person that created you, the person that gave you the entire world, the person that said, that gave you the opportunity to name all the man. Can you imagine that? God gave man the opportunity to name all animals. Lion, leopard, tiger, giraffe, whatever it is. He said, whatever Adam called them, that's their, their name. Can you imagine that inventor, that spirit of invention that God gave to Adam? But he, him and his wife was just focused on tasting that fruit despite the experience that God filmed. The experience of Lucifer also. The destruction of devil from heaven was also selfishness. He was concerned about her. Pride. Pride can be traced to selfishness. Right. What about Cain and Abel? The experience of Cain and Abel as according to the book of the Genesis chapter 4. All through chapter 4. You find that that experience was focused on I, I alone. You have given your own sacrifice. He has given his own sacrifice. God that you gave it to say your own is not acceptable. The best thing is to go back and ask why is my own not acceptable. And instead of asking, you went ahead to kill selfishness. The, and look at it again. The coming of Jesus Christ to the world was a diversion. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one. He gave it. So God moved away from selfishness to give himself his son such that the spirit of selfishness will not continually be in our life. God didn't love himself. God didn't love his angels. God did not love or Jesus himself. He said, for God so loved the world. He loved the world, the same world that was selfish against him through Adam and Eve. Now he loved the world and he gave it's only because of And just like I mentioned earlier, you find out that even in marriages, as we have been taught by one of our brothers yesterday, most of the problems that we have in marriages can be traced to selfishness from the communication problem, from sexual differences problem, from financial pressure, anger against the wife. Angry against the wife, you are not, ex you are not putting into consideration how the wife will feel. Hatred. Emotional imbalance, which is focused on self. So we can now see that most of these things that we face in this life can really be traced to selfishness. What about Ananias and Sapphira? Self. Just like we mentioned, the fear of hunger, of self. Oh, you have sold the land. Yes, we have eaten the money that Brother Chinedu brought last week. But now it's your own land, Ananias and Sapphira. You decide to keep a little. Keeping a little was not the problem, but he decided to lie again. Selfishness. So we found out that selfishness as it is can be traced to everything, almost everything in life. What about the encounter of Adam, Abraham and Sarah? As recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 20, verse 1 to 16. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1 to 16. How can you travel from somewhere to somewhere and you decide to denounce your own wife? Can you imagine that? He decided to say, oh, uh, Sarah is not my wife, it's my sister. Can you imagine that? Selfishness. He was so selfish that he was so concerned about himself alone, not being killed, but rather denouncing the marriage, the marital vow, in quote, as the case might be. Don't let them kill me. The husband literally said, he's not my wife. If not for God, 
someone else will have taken Sirahim. So you now see that selfishness goes beyond what we are seeing. In fact, it's a major underlining factor. A selfish person is very important, cannot keep the Ten Commandments. It's not possible. The Ten Commandments say, do not serve any other God. Don't steal. Don't kill. A selfish person will always be thinking of killing. Example, Cana Abel. But let's now take this selfish character, this self-identity that we are trusting God that will be healed from, to some of the temperament or the, the, uh, the, the personality traits which have been spoken about. Let's take, for instance, the extrovert, people with extrovert identity, the sanguine and the choleric. What are the characteristics of the choleric? Most of the time, they feel self-sufficient. They know it all. They can be untempered, yes. They can be sometimes cruel and wicked, yes. The sanguine, for instance, in most of the time, they can be weak-willed. Yes, they can. They have ego, always indirectly pompous, full of themselves. And sometimes they can be emotionally what? Instable. But when you look at the underlying factor, which we spoke about last week, for those two extrovert character is a place of anger. And when you now trace the end product of anger, you are not considering that person's emotion because anger is a, is a product of not considering another person's emotion. Anger is a product of not considering another person's emotion. You don't know how that person feels when you yell at him. You don't know how that person, don't forget how the dimensions of anger which you spoke about, which you spoke about last week. From thoughtful thinking of negative thinking, anger. The thought of am, anger. Now let's look at the trait of introvert the choleric, uh, no, the melancholic and the uh, pragmatic. Most of the time, the uh, melancholy, they can be moody, they can be self-centered, they can be so finicky and critical, pessimistic sometimes. The pragmatic, uh, they can be insolent, they can be stubborn. But when you look at the underlying factor of this introvert character, the main underlying factor is what? Fear. One, anger. The other one, fear. You see, now it takes us back to our teaching last week. And when you don't match anger and fear together, it produces selfishness. Anger will make you want to attack this person. Fear will make you say, oh, I'm afraid of that person. and start backbiting or saying wrong thing about that person. And the end game that this will bring out will be what? Selfishness. And that's why it's very important that we know that as Christians, you, you, yeah, sufficient is something that we just need to pay very good attention to and manage well. But the beauty of it is that with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, all these characteristics of selfishness can be well managed. Holy Spirit will help us in the name of Jesus. Every evil is from a selfish heart. It's very important that we take note of that. It's not because one Satan went from one place to another and said, oh, this is no. It's from a selfish heart. Every evil. How do I know this? The man, that rich fool, said, I, uh, yes, uh, now that I have enough in my storehouse, the storehouse cannot contain. I need to now demolish and build more. But the question is, the farm that he 
where those goods come, came from? Was he his own? Was he the one that was the laborer there? What about those that brought it in? The cart or the horses that brought it in? So it's a reflection that when we talk about this issue of selfishness, it cuts across every aspect of our life. And we are trusting the Holy Spirit can change and will change every one of us in the name of Jesus. Let's look at examples and how the Holy Spirit can help. A sanguine someone who is what? Who can be very egoistic. Who can be, he's always seen himself as the self-confident. He's always a fool of himself. He caters for, he cares for attraction. He just wants, once he enters a meeting or a particular place, he wants everything to be surrounded, to just be about him. You see people are paying attention to another person, he's crying. Take note. The selfish trait is there. However, that selfish trait, which has to do with him or high alone, can be changed by the Holy Ghost to the place of what? Caring for others. And that caring for others is what we can term others' consciousness. Being conscious that life does not just revolve around you alone. Life does not just surround you alone. But rather, life goes more than about you. It cut across even people that you are saying close. Another example, the same type of person that can be what? Very compulsive, a choleric person, always right. He does not see that he or she is wrong. There are some people like that as Christians. You try to tell them, ah, brother, this, that scripture did not, the, that, what you are explaining in that Bible verse is not what the scripture is trying to say. He said, no, you don't know. He tells you, no, the revelation of the spirit is not like that. Be very careful, my brother. Be very careful that that, that kind of sister, oftentimes they end up having few friends, but the beauty of it is that the Holy Ghost can change anything. So it's very important that we know, just like our sister told us in our first week, that the Holy Spirit can help us to manage all these character. And that's why we tag the theme of today, self-healing. Self-healing. It's a self-trait that you have possessed, no doubt. But this same self can be healed. That choleric character can be healed. That paligmatic character can be healed. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, all can be transformed. And don't forget our hardcore scriptures. We say, well, I can do all things to Christ that stretches me. Oftentimes, when you're not thinking vis-a-vis, let's look at the character of life or use of life, the place of marriage. In most of the time, there are two common causes of what? Selfishness. One, the place of ego and the place of low self-esteem. This can be traced to someone that is considering too much, maybe for the children or for himself. Or, for example, a self-image of the person that sees his woman or his wife as not necessary or not relevant, or not as important. This experience most of the time is common among Christians. Don't be surprised. You ask wives, in most of the time, this is common with female. You ask wives of pastors, you ask them uh, in a private section, what, what, what made you to marry this pastor? You find out that after they, was, they would just, the, the summary, which most Christians will use most of the time is always God's will. We are not, I'm not against God's will. It's fine. But what's God's will? 
They sum it up. After the gospel, you see that there's no adventure. Nothing to point to why. They were just focused on what they would benefit in Moses' time. Not all. Please don't get me wrong. Not all. Most of the time, they are focused on what I will benefit from this pastor. He's working. He has a ministry. He has a car. He might, he might not be pastors alone, by the way. It can be any brother. Oh, that brother has a car. Oh, he has a good job. Oh, he's earning good money. Ah, then, ah, let, let's go ahead and marry. He's concerned about what he would benefit from such marriage. He's concerned about what we benefit from such relationship. And it's very important that when we exhibit this kind of character, it's a reflection that we are selfish. And I want us to take note that this selfishness can destroy an entire nation. And, and that's why in the next few minutes, we try to focus our heart on how this spirit of selfishness or this selfish trait can be properly handled. And you ask yourself, how can this be solved? Number one, love. Love. The book of Philippians, I want to read that very quickly. The book of Philippians chapter two, verse three to four. Philippians chapter two, verse three to four says, let nothing be done to strive or vain glory, but in lowliness in mind, let each esteem or other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let's focus on that chapter three. He said what? The B part. But in knowledge of man, mind, sorry, let each esteem other better than themselves. Scripture is telling us here, according to that scripture, that look beyond yourself. Don't praise yourself. Love others more. In fact, the commandment is talked, the summary of the commandment is that love your neighbor and love your God. So we are being encouraged from this scripture that love is very critical to solving the problem of selfishness. Why? Because love is often others conscious. I love my wife, so I'm considered and I'm focused on what happens to my wife. I just love this brother, so I'm concerned about the welfare of that brother. Oh, I love my church brethren. That means I'm considered about everything that happens to the brethren in my church. Others conscious. But when you look at the characteristics of love, and why it's so others so conscious? Because with you having love for others, that means you'll be patient with them. With you having love for others, you'll be kind to them. With you having love for others, you'll be generous to them. For with you having love that to others, you'll be so humble and you won't be in a rush to respond in anger. That's how much love is very critical to solving selfishness. Praise the Lord. Another thing is the place of trust, trusting. Trusting. And what is trust? Love as a trust emerges in the will to consider other, to be considerate. You are looking for something. And all of a sudden, you have concluded that, for instance, a money was lost. And all of a sudden, you have considered that ah, the thief should be this person because he's just coming to your environment or he's just he was in the meeting for the first time. 
you have not even given that person a sense of trust. Praise the Lord. Yes, there are instances and researches show that in most instances, the hard person in the meeting might be the culprit. But the question we are, what we are being told here as Christians is that as much as it is true, we must give a sense of trust. A very beautiful story was the story of Jonah on the vessel. Very interesting. They didn't think it was anybody. They've gone ahead to destroy the, the goods, throw away the goods. That's trusting. Until there was an experiment to cast the lot to be sure who it was. And it was not confirmed that it was Jonah. That was when action was taken. So I put it to you. Would you stop taking actions without trust? Would you please give that person a benefit of it, your sense of trust? Because if you don't, it's a reflection that you are selfish. I wrote something here. Yes. I said, yes. Someone's behavior or action are not satisfying. But it cannot be downplayed that you must trust that person. Sometimes their behavior can be questionable, which is very true. Almost everyone is at fault with this. In most instances, we often, because we, we have, there's an history that that person is a thief. There's an history that that person usually come, up, come home late at night. We conclude that, oh, because they said someone came home at, late at night, you conclude that it is that person. Yes. But this is what we are saying, that with us having the trust, that spirit of trust, it should not be so. The book of John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, perfect love casted fear away. And once you don't have fear, it's the fear that you have for that person. Don't forget the dimensions of fear, which you spoke about last week. Fear can also denote doubt, which you spoke about last week, looking at various Bible interpretation of fear. So it's very important that we take note, as far as this is concerned, that we need to trust ourselves. Another thing that is very important is that give yourself to God to help others. Give yourself to God. Give yourself. I was listening to a message today by uh, Pastor JC. Is it JC now? Can I call Plans Friend? And he's, no, 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 can I call? I was listening to a message today. And the summary of the message said, no, uh, Pastor Adigboye of Rema Chapel. And he said, a snippet actually. And very funny snippet, he said, uh, he that led it to the poor, lended to God. That scripture. And he said, that scripture is very powerful because he didn't say the poor in your church. He didn't say the poor in the north. He didn't say the poor in the south or the poor in the west. There are some people here that would say, oh, me, I, ah, I'm only focused on giving something to people in my church alone, no. Ah, all these people on the streets, all these Muslims, all these uh, Igbo, all these Yawusa, uh, ah, all these Fulanis, in the case of Nigeria. Ah, I can't help them. You see the way they are killing our brother, I can't help them. But the scripture is selling us here. Give yourself to God to help others. That, are some, those are some of the indicators to show that you are not selfish. Give yourself to God. The, Roman, the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 11 to 13, by the way, mentioned the fact that if you are not dealt to self for the sake of others, they are, they are nobody. It emphasizes the relevance 
or being dead to self to help others. Don't forget, selfishness, opposite of selfishness is what? Others conscious. The happiest individual in the world are people that help. They are helpers. They just feel happy to help others. To practice to help is to be alive. Nobody brought the virtue from heaven to help. Everybody cultivate that virtue of helping others. And to help someone, you find out that when you help someone, you are just alive. You are just excited for no reason. And to be selfish is to die in decadence. If to help others is to be alive, then to be selfish is to be dead. And another thing that's very important as recorded in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, is that we must be kind. We must be kind. If you look at all these things that we've been talking about, everything boils down to the, our number point, which is love. 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 You just need to be kind. To starve people of kindness is to be selfish. You can't just afford to starve someone of kindness. That sense of the fact that they feel welcome where you are. Sometimes some people enter our setting, our churches for the first time. They enter our gathering for the first time. Even on your the phone call that you just received, someone that is calling you for the first time is saying, eh, you're speaking language that you don't understand it, and you become aggressive. We are being told here this morning, we are being encouraged that we must have that sense of kindness. Go out of your way. Go out of your routine and be kind to someone. And I pray the Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Quickly, before we take our time to pray, how can I overcome these weaknesses as, as Christians? It's very important. It's a taboo for Christians to be slave to his own weakness. No, it should not. The book of, in fact, the book of Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, thanks to be God who always lead us to triumphant life in Christians. No, sorry. Now, thanks to be to God who always leads it to triumph in Christ. Christ. I think I need to read that scripture very well so that we don't do any mistake. Second Corinthians chapter two. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and make it manifest the savior of his knowledge, the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The hey part. Now. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. What are we saying? It's our team, triumphant Christian living. We've known all this, but how can we move away from this and start to exercise our dominion over all this weakness? Understanding that you are fearfully made is very critical, and that's very essential. It's very important that you are fearfully made, according to Psalm 139, verse 14. You are fearfully made. And if you are fearfully made, it means God did not do a mistake. If God did not do a mistake, that means your weakness can be overcome. Imagine, can God create weakness? The answer would be no. If God cannot create weakness, weakness, that means I can overcome my weakness. Because why? I was made by God. God is not weak. I was fearfully made means I was made consciously. I was consciously made. 
I was fearfully made means I was carefully made. I was fearfully made means I was strategically made for where you are. So it's very important that we take note of this. And don't forget again, your body is the temple of Christ, by the way. If your body is the temple of God, then definitely you can live a triumphant life without all this weakness. And that's why we keep emphasizing, if you look at our underlining word, all through our teachings that we'll be adding is the place of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit able to change our temperament. The Holy Spirit able to help our hope. The Holy Spirit able to fill us. The Holy Spirit. You cannot just underemphasize the relevance of the Holy Spirit in your Christian experience. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It says, if anyone does not have this power, then in him, Christ is not even there. Because three of them, the are Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, that means you don't have the Father. You don't have the Father, you don't have the Son. Imagine someone saying, oh, I just want the water in the egg. I don't want the shell. I don't want the yolk. Then what is the egg? So the three are very important. What are now the steps that we can take as Christians to overcome this, some of these weakness? One, face your weakness. We identified last, in our last teaching that the mountain can be moved only if you decide to go to the base of the mountain and start chiseling or start removing the debris at the base. You cannot forever run away from this weakness. Yes, you seem to be a pompous person, an egocentric person. Yes, you can start by being less pompous. You seem to be the type that gets angry. You can start by not always responding to everything that gets you angry. Face your weakness. In some instances, as it be, in some instances, sometimes you might not just need to comfort yourself. Be less confrontational. And that's why it's very important as Christians. When we look at some of these identity, you must serve as a source of confrontation for someone. What do I mean? I'm not saying as a sense of judgmental, to be judgmental to that person, no. But confrontation in a Christian manner. You see someone that is doing something that is bad, you might need to call the person behind us. Sister, this, my brother, or even your colleague at work, do you notice that I usually do this? Don't tell him that I have noticed that you usually do this. In most instances, when you tell people that you've not, uh, I've noticed that you usually do this, you are already judgmental. In, in their mindset, they believe that you are judging them already. But when you ask indirect question, did you notice that you are usually doing this? You find that out before you know what's happening. They will tell you that, oh, ah, I didn't notice that I usually, I, did, I usually do that. I didn't notice. And is it, it might be the simple truth that they do, uh, which they are telling. They are not lying. They are just telling the simple truth that they didn't notice. So be your brother's keeper. And when you do that, you have helped them to face their own weakness. Confess your sins every time it occurs. Every time you get, don't forget the reason why we are emphasizing the place of confession of sin is because God loves sinner, but however, he hates sin. And all these temperament traits 
negative temperament traits are seen before God. Fear, anger, depression, selfishness, they are seen. Because they are not reflections of the spirit. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, it's too faithful and just to forgive us every time. It's too faithful, irrespective of what that sin may be. So you're confessing your sin is just a reflection that you are saying, I need help. That's what we are, we are telling God. Lord, I need help about this. I need help about this thing. So every time you confess your sin, you are casting your burden of that weakness on him. So it's very important that you confess your sin. It's not every time that you bind. I, when I was praying for this teaching, it got called to me. Elizabeth was telling me that it's not every time that you cast and bind your weakness. Yes, casting and binding your weakness might be, might be important, but sometimes confessing those weaknesses might be critical to your liberation. So it's not every time that you I cast you out, I cast you this out, I cast you the spirit of lie out, I cast you the spirit of anger out, I cast you the spirit of negative thought out. Holy Spirit is telling us today that it's not every time that you cast and bind your weakness. Sometimes it can just need call for a basic confession of your weakness. Because why? Confession is seeking for help from God. Ask your heavenly father, father to take away these habits. Ask your heavenly father to take away these habits. And by asking him, you are believing God. After that, you are believing God that he has given you victory. Romans 14, verse 23. Whatever is not from praise is a sin. So if you don't believe God that he has given you victory, you have sinned again. And I live by one rule. I usually tell people that if we are not sure that God will answer this prayer, there's no need for us to pray it. If I'm not certain that God will answer this prayer, or he has answered my prayer, there's only for me to pray. And we are being told again, ask your every father for help and also believe. Exercising faith is not only to tangible things, no. Exercising faith is not just only to, ah, I need money. I need my school fee. I need my car. Ah, I need my husband. I'm getting married this year, no. Exercising faith sometimes is too intangible. Exercising faith to your healing away from anger. Exercising faith away from fear. Exercising fear, faith away from selfishness, from depression. And by the time you're doing that, Jude 20, he said, building your, your most holy praise, faith, sorry, praying in the Holy Ghost, you find out that the infilling of the Holy Ghost keeps coming. As you exercise faith, a new dimension, new level of the infilling of the Holy Ghost keeps coming. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It says what? Add as much as our father is, our father on heart, they are wicked, yet they give us good gift. Now imagine our heavenly father, who is abundant, who has enough, won't he give us? He can heal us from those weakness. He can liberate you from those weakness. And another thing, you need to walk in the spirit and abide in Christ. Take note, walk in the spirit and abide in Christ. 
You can't claim that you're walking in the spirit and you're not abiding in Christ. Because we are, who owns the spirit? Christ. So walk in the spirit and abide in Christ. Galatians 5 verse 16. So we need to come to the understanding that we need every, the summary of everything is that everything is found in Christ through the help of the Holy Ghost. Cultivate this habit. It is possible. Continuously, consciously cultivate this habit that no, I won't get angry. They've known you that when you come to school, church, uh, work every day, you are moody to yourself. They've known you, but cultivate the habit and say, no, I'm deciding, I've decided that I won't be moody today. Oh, they've known you that your service never gives someone anything. Cultivate that habit and say, okay, every Monday and Tuesday, I just must help someone. Cultivate that habit of being kind. Because if you don't, you find out that you are not actually trying and you are not being responsible enough. You are not being responsible enough. I pray the Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. But quickly, as we run, as we round up this morning, uh, this evening, sorry, I want us to know that everything that we want, all of these habits that we want to solve, that we want it to go away, can be found in Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 says, All the nine fruits of the Spirit, from self control to love to faith to humility to meekness to gentleness to goodness to long suffering, they are in Christ. They can be found in Christ if actually. We are interested in it. And that's why I believe from where we started from, I can do all things to Christ that strengthens me. It means the freedom from depression, the freedom from anger, the freedom from fear. All things I can do it to Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because they are part of the fruit of the Spirit. I can be delivered to the help of the Spirit. And I pray the Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. That's where we stop for today. And I'll wait for, maybe you have questions. I'll hand over to Brother Victor now.